Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 28 of Ask Us Anything. I am Mark Raven from Kinexus. We're joined by Greg Jacobson from Kinexus as well. And, you know, we're, we're you know, uh, hello to the people who are tuning in and watching us instead of um, watching cable news. We know there's obviously a lot on people's minds um, other than continuous improvement. Um, you know, Greg introduced himself as um, Greg Jacobson. Some of you uh, may know, and, and some of you might not know, uh, he could introduce himself as Dr. Greg Jacobson, as in medical doctor. That's Greg's background. And, and maybe, Greg, you know, before we get into some of these um, topics, I think we want to take advantage of Greg's experience and expertise. So we're going to ask him at least one question about coronavirus, and I think we'll, we'll take advantage of the opportunity to hear if you and the audience have questions um, related to COVID-19 slash coronavirus, please enter those in the question box here in the GoToWebinar control panel. But Greg, quickly, if you want to tell the audience you know, about your background and what you're still even currently doing as a physician. Yeah. Um, so uh, I didn't say, but I am the, the co-founder and CEO of Kinexus. My my improvement story begins when I was finishing my emergency medicine residency at Vanderbilt, and I was handed Mazaki Amai's book, Kaizen, and that was kind of the, the beginning of, of this long journey that's resulted in founding Kinexus and, and being where I am today. But from, from the point of graduating residency, I've been a, initially a, a full-time ER doctor, and then as Kinexus has ramped up, I've, I've still practiced um, so I've, I still do two 24-hour shifts a month, and uh, my wife is a full-time ER physician as well. And so naturally, I'm surrounded by medical knowledge, and but I know that there's lots of people that that don't have uh, access to a physician. And so here at Kinexus, we do a weekly uh, meeting uh, at 9 a.m. on Fridays where we just talk about the week and what we did the past week and, and what we did the future week. And over the last two weeks, a lot of that time has been dedicated towards kind of coming up with a, a plan at Kinexus and then um, kind of synthesizing the information coming out. And also then just, you know, the Kinexians just asking, what would I do or what are my opinions? And so we spent almost almost the entire time on that today um, and, and just had a, a small right of that. So as Mark and I were, were about to prepare and, and preparing for this, we, we thought we had already prepared that the initial question was going to be, what are you doing? But then I thought there might be people on this that would rather not talk about um, some of the, the lean questions that we have. And if they wanted to ask an ER doc, then um, they, can, they can ask that. And if uh, those questions die down, then we'll go right into the ask anything. But if those questions keep up, then then we'll just keep we'll keep going as long as people have questions. I don't mind staying after the yeah. half hour. So having said all that, I think, um, you know, I think we are at the precipice of a unprecedented event in the, the world. Um, and by, by unprecedented, I mean unprecedented people that are alive today. I think this is going to be um, comparable to the um, the epidemic of, of 1918. And I think that I think that the steps that we take today are going to seem extreme. We were talking about this at our nine o'clock meeting 
But I think in, in retrospect, I really hope that all the things we do today are looked at as, as extreme because then I think it means that they actually worked and uh, the, um, the next several months aren't going to be as bad as they potentially could be. But I think it's pretty clear that we are dealing with a virus that has somewhere between five to 10 times the mortality rate of the flu. Um, it's pretty clear that the older you are, the higher the mortality you have. It's pretty clear that it's a droplet-mediated disease. So this isn't something that's just in the air, um, floating around. It's not like someone can have COVID-19 disease and then you walk in two hours later into the room and, and breathe the air in and get it. This is something where someone needs to have it on their hands or sneeze, um, keeping in mind that when someone does sneeze, that the droplets um, you know, theoretically can go up to 10 feet away. Um, but I think it's I think it's time for us as uh, responsible citizens to start significantly limiting our social interaction. And so here at Kinexus on on Wednesday night, when kind of the story unfolded, we made the decision to become a virtual company, for instance. And so we are working from home indefinitely till this calms down. I imagine it's going to be a, a, at least a month. It, it might be longer. It might be two or or even longer months. But however long it needs to be, we'll do that. We fortunately have a very easy decision to make, Mark. I mean, we can we're, we can seamlessly continue our our business at home. We not we have we have two offices. We have people that work remotely. I mean, you're in Florida um, a lot of the time, so between video conferencing and, and what we do, that was an easy decision. I I don't know what I would do or how I would handle it if if I had a factory or delivery or you know in person services. Obviously, healthcare is going to have to just keep going on. Um, as uh, needed. Um, so the, the couple of things that I'll, I'll say, and um, and then if you, you want to follow up with some other questions, yeah. but I think the, the obvious things are, um, I wouldn't, we, we have to stop touching people when we're greeting them. So no more handshaking. I, I think you can just forego fist bumping. I mean, if you still want to do the elbow thing, I think that's perfectly fine. Um, certainly when you're out and about, you should be not touching. You know, I think for a handle, you should figure out how to use your clothing or a rag or something along those lines. Um, when you're hitting an elevator button, um, those things uh, can you, you can do with knuckle. Use your knuckles very easy. Um, you they say that the the virus can can live on droplets on surfaces. I'm reading about 12 hours now, but let's just say 24 hours. It's certainly not weeks to months, um, and it seems like metal surfaces contain the virus a little bit longer than other surfaces, if that's helpful. And um, that, you know, we were talking, like, there were a couple of weddings that were going on with um, Kinexians in the next couple of weeks. And my, my approach is I, I, I wouldn't go to those. And I think that those are going to be canceled by the people having those weddings um, in the next couple of days. I mean, just in the last 24 hours, our schools were canceled. Um, we actually, we were going to go to Disney World for spring break. Uh, they closed Disney World. So I, I think we're going to see more and more of that. I'm, I'm really glad to see all mm -hmm. the different institutions and companies taking a really proactive approach. I'm, I'm surprised that there hasn't mm -hmm. been more countywide and, and statewide and federal um, things going on. But um, that's neither here nor there. I, I think, you know, NBA and all the sporting events and we mm -hmm. were going to go see a play this weekend. So my approach would be just stay at home. Um, you there's certainly no reason not to go out and about. You can take walks. Um, you're not going to get the disease by by going out and around. Um, I, I think you could even meet individual right. people. Um, I just wouldn't do it at a, you know, um, at a, a social place. And when I would be 
talking with them, I wouldn't shake their hands. Um, obviously, if you're sick, right. um, if you're sick, definitely stay home. There's no question about that. Right. Now, briefly, briefly on testing, um, please do not go to the ER or do not go to your doctor if you have anything that resembles a uh, a cold. Um, I think the only time I would be engaging with the emergency department or your doctor is if you are really struggling to breathe, if you're having problems breathing, um, certainly if you're old and have problems or other medical problems. Um, I think that there's going to be decentralized testing that's going to be set up here in the next couple of weeks. And I think that will be the way the majority of us will get tested to see if we have COVID-19. Um, it, it looks like about a third to half of the population is going to get it. Um, and um, just there's going to be just a tiny, tiny percent of people that are going to get super, super sick. But obviously, when you're talking about half of the population and a tiny percent, it's going to be pretty devastating for, for the country in general. Yeah. So a couple of follow-up questions. So you mentioned um, limiting social interaction. So like, for example, um, and you, you talk about um, no risk from, let's say, if I'm going to go outside here in downtown Orlando and go take uh, a walk and get some exercise around the lake, like walking through the park, not being in close proximity to people, not touching anything safe to do. I'd probably avoid going upstairs into the building's gym, even if I were to wipe down equipment, there's more risk of something being on the surface from uh, somebody else who was previously up there, for example. Absolutely. Right? And I think, I mean, you can get a great workout at home. <laughs> you know, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm unfortunately recovering from an ACL um, surgery, and I've got those bands that are part of the rehab. And I'm just amazed at between, you know, planks and and squats and the bands i mean i am in full-blown sweats when i'm when i'm done with the workout so yeah right. so figure out how to do your workouts at home and then when you're out and about i mean with the air moving around it, it's actually probably even better than than being inside um with someone that would have yeah. if you're inside no one has the, the virus then that's fine but um yeah right. short so short of someone right. sneezing on you or coughing on you when you were out and about walking around you're perfectly safe uh, going outside yeah. Um, and then your, your recommendations, and I think even what I've read about CDC recommendations, there are different recommendations if you are 60 and older in terms of really being more cautious about only going out if it's really necessary and asking yourself that. Is this necessary? Right? I mean, the, the, the data that I've seen, and, and this isn't from the medical literature because there just hasn't been a lot from the medical literature that's gone in. So this is just from lay articles. Um, now, I, I did listen into we have a, a, a good educational group um, called MRAP that has been doing emergency medicine education for uh, since I was in residency. So, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And they did a they did a discussion with a triple ported ER doctor. So he has ER, internal medicine and infectious disease. And they, they spoke for about an hour and. Um, um, so um, some of the stuff I'm telling you is from that, but but otherwise the mortality that I saw was about a 15% mortality if you're over I think 70 or 80. I think if you're over 60, it's about an 8% mortality. And then as soon as you go less than 60, it just it just plummets. Um, so you, you're you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Essentially, you're looking at something that's probably going to look like a really bad flu would be the way I would think about it. And, and right. I think I think the biggest thing to keep in mind is that more people are dying every day and will die every day from car crashes throughout this entire pandemic 
then will die from, um, well, I mean, depends. We'll see how it goes, but theoretically. So, so this isn't like hysteric hysteria. Um, this is just, let's be cognizant of what's happening and we can all do our part in limiting its spread and kind of, um, flattening out the curve as, as people are mentioning. And so, um, I think that's a very appropriate kind of measured response. Right. Yeah, we, we've got a couple of questions, and and then the the question I'll take third is actually kind of something I can also talk to related to working from home and what are we going to do about continuous improvement. But um, a couple one one thing. Um, uh, well, here I'll just say uh, the question. There's one question here, Kim, uh, from Eric. Um, I want to be careful about rumors, but Greg, maybe you can um, you know talk to. Um, science or the, the reporting around this, that um, there's a rumor that um, the virus has gone airborne. Have you heard anything about that? Would that, that would make a big difference, right? I have not heard anything about that. And as far as I know from the sources I've seen, it's droplet. It's not airborne. That droplets would normally fall to the ground if they don't land on somebody, right? Yep. Exactly. Yep. So droplets, like if you sneeze, Kind of the, the kind of the rule of thumb is, is those droplets have the potential of going up to about 10 feet. They're going to fall to the ground. And so then all, any of the surfaces, obviously, if someone sneezes on you, um, but, but whatever surfaces those drop, those droplets land on are the, um, the ones that that one should be concerned about. Now, I've read a bunch of lay material and I have no idea if these things are factual, um, but some of them make sense that. Um, if you drink and the virus is in your mouth, then you'll flush down into your stomach and you, you, you know, it's not going to go into your lung. So I, I don't think that is a, a rumor that would be bad to spread because drinking fluids is probably a good thing. So um, mm -hmm. there doesn't seem to be any harm in that. Um, yeah. Helpful. Okay. But yes, um, that would, another that, question. The follow-up of that was, that would be a big difference. Yes, that would definitely be a big difference. If it's airborne, then then the easiest disease to think about it is is that it's more like measles. And then if you go into a room that someone was in prior that had the disease, then you could get infected from um, from the virus. So um, I guess I've heard nothing credible that says this is airborne. Okay. I'm gonna have another question here, and we know. Um, public schools are being closed in many states, many cities. But the question asks, if public schools are open, should I keep sending my child? I, I think it's literally a decision that you're only going to be making for a day or two, because I'd be very surprised if public schools are going to be open for very much longer. Um, so I guess the question directly, today I was planning on taking my daughter to school um, I think by Monday, I would have uh, been very surprised. I mean, I, I, I texted, I didn't text, I, I emailed our, our principal last night and I said, because he's been contacting uh, my wife um, and um, I said, uh, I would be very surprised. To me, it's not if schools are going to close, it's just when they're going to close. So, um, and, and, and I just want to reemphasize that the reason that schools and all these events need to shut down is because it's going to decrease the speed of the spread of the virus. So it, it appears that that children are 
uh, not significantly affected by the virus. Um, they don't have, they, they're, I mean, I think they're getting ill, but they're, they're not having significant mortality, thank God. And um, there's the, the, some of the theories behind that are that, um, that they've recently had coronavirus colds. And so there might be some cross immunity um, um, for that. There might be also anatomical or other biologic reasons that we just don't know yet. But um, I, I think if, if it's not difficult for you to um, have your child at home, it, that just makes sense. I think it, it, closing schools becomes tricky because the, the schools for a lot of our population. So, so from an epidemiologic, like I always like to think from an epidemiologic standpoint, I would practice medicine one way. But then when I'm looking at a patient, sometimes I practice it a different way. So like when I'm with a patient, I'm thinking, what would I do if this is my brother or my father um, or my, my daughter or, or whatnot? And, and when I'm thinking epidemiologically, um, I'm kind of thinking, oh, well, we probably shouldn't test and, you know, we're over testing and, and things of that nature. So from the standpoint of the epidemiologic decision or the kind of the global decision, a lot of kids get social support from their schools. They get two meals and, and they get a place where, where they feel safe and, and, and whatnot. So I'm glad I'm not needing to be part of making those decisions. But I think based on the speed at which things have closed over the last um, several days, I think that all schools, I think we're heading towards kind of like a, let's just all stay home as much as possible for the next month or two. Um, and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, there'll be some economic consequences, but um, that, that's all going to recover. I mean, there's nothing fundamentally happening to business that would make me think from a business standpoint that like value is you know escaping from these businesses and there's fundamental changes. Um, I guess if we're starting to deal with coronavirus in perpetuity, <laughs> um, but yeah. I'm sure we'll adapt to that as well if that's the case. But there's no indication that that would yeah. happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, something you said in, in our Pinexus company meeting earlier regarding children is that, you know, I've seen reports that um, the coronavirus seems to not um, be affecting children, but the risk is that the children um, uh, are, are, are asymptomatic and, and spreading the virus, and then children bring the virus home to, let's say, a grandparent or uh, to a parent who has an underlying health condition that puts them at greater risk. Think of the children as, as a vector for spread is the argument for shutting down schools, right? Yep. So, for example, um, my father had his hip replaced um, earlier in the week prior to this kind of explosion. And I was down in San Antonio um, working remotely, helping out there. And I did not go visit my 94-year-old 94-year-old grandmother during that time. I just, mm -hmm. she's just going to have to go with a visit without seeing me. And so those, those are the kind of decisions, you know, I was making because, you know, I could have been a vector. I, I worked in the airship a couple of days before I, I was asymptomatic. I mean, obviously, um, I didn't see anybody that was at risk, but people are asymptomatic for some period of time. So mm -hmm. there, there was another question around Seattle. Was that... Yeah, well, there was another question I was going to ask first because it, it's something I thought about and was researching. We mentioned business impact. Um, many businesses, especially local businesses, restaurants and the arts, and, and, and they, they will have a, a – this will be quite a whammy if they have limited or no revenue for a month or two. Um, so, you know, I've done a little research this morning, and I'm, I'm curious your thoughts of, you know, risk of going – to a restaurant, 
risk and thinking thinking through it in terms of risk to yourself versus again this question of epidemiological public health risk of um, potential spread and and how how do, you, how do you weigh those pros and cons or where do you, and this comes back to the balance between limited social interaction versus eliminating it altogether what are your thoughts about like is is it in un, is it creating unnecessary risk in one dimension or another to go and 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 eat at a restaurant i haven't had any meaningful discussion about this or read about it so i don't know if i'm an expert by any means um and so you can take my opinion with a grain of salt um but I don't think I'm going to be too interested in going to eat at a restaurant right now. So the way I look at it is I've got a bunch of food at home. I can, you know, nourish mm-hmm. myself at home and, um, you know, I'm not going to risk getting exposed to Corona or if I have it spreading it to someone else that that's going to be my approach. I'll just, I'll answer it. That mm-hmm. way. That's going to be my approach. Yeah. And, and what I've read this morning, um, you know, are comments from, physicians and, and public health experts, at least, you know, the, the article I read, and again, this is, I'm, I'm trying to pass along, you know, like others, others said, this is not my own independent scientific knowledge that, you know, if you go to a restaurant, you, you really do want to be mindful of hand hygiene. If you have hand sanitizer, I know in general, restaurant menus tend to be unfortunately dirty. So if you're handling a menu and you order, it's probably a good idea to go to the bathroom and use soap and water. And, and that's something I think has been forgotten like people say oh i can't buy hand sanitizer regular old soap and water not even don't even it doesn't need to be antibacterial soap regular soap maybe i'll ask you to comment regular soap has a great effect in uh breaking down virus if you happen to have it on your hands correct yeah absolutely i mean all soap is antibacterial so um yeah no question that 20 seconds of uh, of hand washing is from my understanding more effective than the the hand sanitizer. I think the hand sanitizer mm-hmm. is more convenient and you'll do it more. And so in that way, it should be um, used in addition to, but um, yeah. I'm just just trying to make it, ha- anytime I walk by a sink now, I'm just like, when I'm in the kitchen, right. I just, I wash, even though there's no chance that I would have gotten anything, I'm just trying to become more cognizant of, of that. And right. you know, we've, so- we, Talk about not touching our faces. I know just in this in this talk, I probably touched my face like eight times, and it's just such a common thing. But the more we can, there's no way we're going to change that habit unless the first step is just being cognizant that we're doing it, and then the next step would be like, right. oh, maybe that this is where we can get into atomic habits and James Clear and uh, uh, things like that. But anyway, well, I mean, changing habits is difficult. I'm trying not to touch my face. I'm trying to ignore an occasional itch. I'm failing. So I, I had to go to I had to go to the doctor this morning to follow up for a for a back for a nerve issue. The doctor came in and stuck his hand out like he was going to shake my hand. And I was like, okay, well, no, let's not do that. I started to offer an elbow bump, and then he was like, okay, well, yeah, let's just get back to. I'm like, okay, fair enough. But like these social habits are really, really, really hard to break. Um, but you know, back to the restaurant for a minute, and we'll we'll take there's a good question from Laurel here. The other thing I read this morning was that well, like if you look in Italy. They um, are, are leaving restaurants open, but you want to be spaced out and you don't want to be sitting voluntarily next to somebody who is coughing or sneezing. Hopefully those people are staying home. 
Um, so I'd be mindful of that. But one, one thing I think is maybe good, I thought a clever recommendation, if you want to support a local restaurant or a theater or someplace that may be hurting in the short term and you have disposable income that you would have otherwise gone out and spend, buy a gift certificate, especially if you buy it directly from, uh, from a restaurant and give them your credit card through a website. They are getting that money now where then you can go then get the meal later. That may be one way of, of making a gesture or maybe that's a helpful financial lifeline, um, one way of trying to support a business rather than actually going out. I love that. I hadn't bought that. That's so um, question from Laurel here. Um, I'm interested in how people are doing facilitation or training work around physical flow in a remote environment. In Seattle, we will likely not be able to meet in person for the next six weeks, and we don't want to cancel everything we had planned. So let, let's just speak to that maybe for a minute as a consultant. Um, I, was, I was on the road this past week with a health system client. I flew home last night. And um, the decision hasn't been um, 100% finalized, but we are all fully expecting to not be traveling again next week because the health system, um, I, you know, I think, and I don't know if this question is from a person in healthcare or not, maybe you can follow up, Laurel. But, you know, for one, um, I think the health system client needs to focus on first things first. And, and um, even though they're trying to apply lean thinking to their design of processes around COVID-19, some continuous improvement work is going to be put on hold. And secondly, I think understandably so, they do not want unnecessary foot traffic into the hospital, which I appreciate and I understand. So uh, part of my answer to Laurel is I think, you know, even though I, I think it's a reality that some continuous improvement work will be postponed, um, I think there are opportunities and, and the other consultants and I are working with our clients to figure out how can we support them remotely. Um, there are certain things that can be done through phone calls, video conference, probably not full-blown improvement activity, but if someone wants help, uh, if, if, I think, you know, coaching through an A3 through a live phone call and or a web meeting is, is one way to do, provide support for problem solving. Um, I probably wouldn't like if somebody were trying to do a Kaizen event, I would probably just postpone that um, and, and say, let's wait until we can all be together in the game. But there might be an opportunity you know, to redouble efforts. You know, training is not the end-all, be-all of continuous improvement, but there is a time and a place for that. So can you do web-based presentations? Can you do uh, book club discussions? Are there things that you can do to further knowledge that you would then apply through practice once things get back to normal. Um, that's that's one thought. Um, Greg, you've got, you know, there, there's some things that we're doing as a Pinexus team that you might want to share. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're certainly, um, we're working from home, but we do a lot of, of video conferencing in general. So we're going to try to turn our video cameras on a, a lot more over the next month or two because it, it really, I mean, you get almost 90% of the experience of being in the same room, in my opinion, with the video camera on. And uh, we're trying to be a little more proactive about putting what we're doing on our calendars. And then just also picking up the phone and, and talking to people. Um, I'd be remiss to say that I think our um, customers that are, you know, 
fully deployed on Kinexus or thinking, I mean, not that, not that I want um, Kinexus to, um, you know, flourish at the expense of, uh, of, of this crisis. But um, I think um, places that have moved off of paper and, you know, physical bulletin boards are going to have an easier time doing either asynchronous or synchronous communication um, uh, through Kinexus. So certainly it's a um, it's a plug to to move some of this work into the into the cloud, um, and uh, we're we're really fortunate. But a, a number of our uh, companies, uh, our number of our customers, are customers that um, they're they're companies that you've heard of in, in the news recently that are really on the front lines of either developing tests or drugs or um, materials or obviously delivering the healthcare. And so we're, we're honored that we're already part of their improvement culture and helping facilitate that. And we're going to be able to help facilitate that now, whether people are working from home or not. Um, I, I do agree though, like when you're talking about flow and you're, you know, you're kind of, you need to be on the shop floor. Um, that might be a little challenging. And it's something that I probably, I, I don't anticipate that this is going to be the new normal. I think that this is going to be, you know, a month or two of significant disruption. Um, unfortunately, there are going to be people that um, are going to have serious medical problems during this time, and that's it. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's so, yeah, and I think in in general, you know, my advice, let's say the Connexus customers who use our system, they upload an A3 in support of improvement work. I think even if you're using you know, our system as, as a repository, I still think it's the most effective thing to actually work on and talk about an A3 in person. I think second best would be in an interactive way, like a phone call or a web meeting. I think the, the least effective thing in general is to either just upload a file and say, hey, everybody comment, or hey, I've emailed you a file. Send it like, you know, the, the, the practice, you know, and I, I've learned, I was fortunate to, you know, learn some of this directly from John Shook at the Lean Enterprise Institute, who quite literally wrote one of the books anyway on A3 problem solving. And John Shook always emphasized, as he says, it takes two, or at least two, it takes two to A3, that the document is something that helps prompt discussion. And that, that interactive discussion, I think, is best. If, the, if all you can do is asynchronous, then that's probably better than nothing. Um, but I still think doing something that's that's real live interaction is the most um, constructive way to move things forward and to get um, input and insight from people. Um, so we don't have any other questions from the audience. We appreciate it. Looks like most everyone has has stayed on the conversation here. We will, of course, archive uh, the recording of this. We'll post it on our YouTube channel. The audio will be on our podcast feed and. If you want to share um, some of this with others, um, you know, Greg, partly to yourself and, and to others, you know, I want to share um, gratitude to people who are working on the front lines of healthcare. You, your wife, the nurses, the doctors, the people who um, are coming in contact with patients, because um, it, it is similar to firefighters running toward a fire instead of running away, or Marines talk about running to the sound of trouble instead of running away from it. You know, with, with this virus, unfortunately, it, it, it is putting healthcare workers at risk. So I appreciate everybody who um, is, is willing to do that. I really do. Thank you. I, I feel like of all the what 20% of the workforce, something being involved in healthcare, I'm 
on the very end of the spectrum, just working a couple days a month, there are people that are literally on the front lines um, 24-7. I think our infectious disease doctors, all the administrations having to put in protocols and um, countless other people are um, doing infinitely more than I am. So, Well, um, thanks again to everybody um, who is doing that. And in general, um, you know, I think um, experts recommend if you have other questions, um, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention website, uh, cdc.gov is probably a good source. You know, I think there's always risk in times like this is risk in general of um, um, bad information circulating around social media, like, for example, the one thing that was being passed around is saying, well, you can make your own hand sanitizer by taking vodka and aloe gel. And, and then, you know, people point out the reality is that vodka generally is at 40% alcohol. That's not strong enough to really serve as an effective disinfectant. And um, so I think we have to be careful about believing anything that's out there. Be careful if we're sharing something on social media that it's, um, that it's valid information. And I don't mean to scold anybody, but I think it's something we're going to do. You know, I, I worry if I'm posting something, okay, is this is this accurate? Is this the most um, up-to-date information? Greg, yeah. and thoughts on, on... What's the... If if it's incorrect, what are the what are the um, the consequences of being wrong? Like, for example, if, if drinking proves not to help whether or not you drinking non-alcoholic beverages, um, speaking about the fact that you talked about vodka, if that's found to, to not help, well, there's really very little harm in, you know, taking a sip of water every five or 10 minutes. Um, so certainly mm-hmm. there's harm in, oh, I think I'm you know, desanitizing my hands or I am sanitizing my hands um, when when you're not. Or that's Yeah, so I think the, always thinking of the consequences of if this is incorrect is, is important to to, to know uh, there was something that, that my mom told me like, Oh, if you, if you exhale for 10 seconds or something, when you wake up, or if you are able to hold your breath for 10 seconds, and it's like, I, I have no idea that's, you know, there's any evidence that that's, that's the case, but I, as, as what, as a, as a test of uh, doing that is what a test of lung function. Yeah. Lung function and, and see if you have like early fibrosis um, from the, the virus, but, there's probably zero harm in doing that. So it's like, if you want to do that when you wake up, then go for it. <laughs> Make sure you're sitting down and not going to pass out and like get a head injury and then have to go to the ER for that. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe one other thing I'd add about hand washing, um, you know, the guidance I've heard, it says, you know, wet your hands and then really do lather for a full 20 seconds. And that includes the back of your hands, your, your fingertips, um, you know, uh, make sure that, you know, uh, you're following good standard work. Well, I think that's better than taking a little squirt of sanitizer and splash, splash. I mean, like kind of going about it the right way and not going through the motions is probably even more helpful. Well, we might need to schedule another one of these sooner rather than later, Mark. One, because, I mean, maybe the, the COVID-19 is information is rapidly evolving. But then two, because we didn't get to very many of the real questions. But we still have other. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think this was timely and um, hopefully valuable to folks. So. OK, well, thank you for suggesting 
um, that, we, that we sort of end up shifting the format today. Apologies for people who apologies to people who are looking for something to get their mind off of uh, what's going on. But it, it's like a lot of people voted with their feet, um, so to speak, by staying uh, connected to the webinar. So um, with that, you know, please please do stay tuned to um slash webinars where we announce um, future webinars, future Ask Us Anything. Um, and um, well, thank you for tuning in. Greg, um, thank you uh, for, for sharing some thoughts today. Thanks, everyone, for your questions. Thanks, Mark. Talk to you all soon.